When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I'm talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed worldwide, according to Indeed data. Get unparalleled access to job seekers with over 350 million monthly unique visitors globally, according to Indeed data, and an extended reach through Glassdoor. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Hack It Out. Just go to Indeed.com slash Hack It Out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Hack It Out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right, Hack It Out Golf Podcast time. We're talking the importance of golf setup. You hear so much about golf setup. Um, it's definitely talked about in videos. You'll hear about it on Twitter. You've heard about it in books for years. How important is it? I know Greg's pretty um, meticulous, let's say, with his setup, but let's talk about the importance of the golf setup. Welcome, gents. Normal team in-house, Greg Chalmers and uh, Lou Stagner. We're talking the importance of golf setup. I'm quite excited about this episode. Greg, I know you are, before we dive in, Just I know you've talked about it in other pods. It's something that you definitely default to if things aren't going right, I think you've mentioned before, isn't it? Yeah, I work really, really hard. Um, this is one of those things for me that I never really own. I have to keep earning. Yeah. Um, and so I work really hard on whether it's alignment, uh, whether it's ball position, um, I get I tend to float in and out of some bad habits and if I get it wrong, I, my contact um, is poor. So, yeah, I work really hard on this, so looking forward to it. Yeah, cool. And then, Lou, how much over the time of you trying to change your technique and playing golf just as an amateur, do you feel like you've um, given it enough time? Do you feel like you could have done differently what you know now, you might have changed how you worked your setup in or how seriously you took it. Um, you know, where are you with your golf setup? Is it something that you're constantly monitoring? Well, um, I'm an athlete that, that can react and adapt. <laughs> so lovely. Setting, <laughs> as long as there's ropes, ropes nearby, yeah. you're very I'm good at general, adapting. <laughs> general guidelines, and that's all that I need. And, and I can make it work. Um, it is it is something that um, I've gotten more diligent with. I've been very diligent with it in my putting stroke, yeah, okay. but less so in my full swing. Because putting, um, you are thinking more precision, and full swing, you've got some flailing bits. Is that what you're thinking? Some flailing bits. Some flailing bits. That's one way to put it. Um, probably, and I and I think it might be one of those things where. Um, I think a lot of people default to what they're good at and they, they end up doing more of that. Yeah. And I, like that, I used to do yeah. far too much more. I used to do far too much putting practice because I was good at it. Um, and I became, I went down the rabbit hole with, with putting 
um, and she would have been much better served to go down the rabbit hole with my swing. Yeah, okay, interesting. So let's define golf setup for the listeners. I'm sure everyone is sure what it is, but so we're all on the same page. For me, a setup for a golfer is how they hold it, then in turn where they put the club face and the club on the ground, so lie and loft and where they point it, and then it'll be their whole basically positioning of their body. So think about where you're aiming, lots of people often think, the angles you create in your body, ideas of posture, those kind of ideas, the tilts, bends, twists that you might put in to your body pre-pulling the trigger is is where setup is uh, um you know, so where where we're at, I, I I'll kick us off, um, and I won't talk personally about me for setup, and we will at some point possibly. But as in, for my, I'm talking more of what I see in students. Um, I definitely see the term correct setup used too much. It's a term I, I even know it's so hard not to say the correct setup, but I like functional setup more. You learn very quickly as a golf pro if you start teaching people that you there's people have to set up in different ways. They have to have a functional setup for them. But when you go through trainings to become a, co- a golf coach, there's a lot of um, kind of cliche. You need to get them in these position ideas. So I do like setups to be, I mean, I've written something down and this is something that hopefully it'll be a bit of a thread on this pod. Um, I basically, I, I think the setup provides an opportunity. That's all it does. It doesn't make you a good shot. It doesn't make you a bad shot, but it provides an opportunity to achieve something. So as in, you know, if the ball is way below my feet, my setup, has to provide an opportunity for me to reach that ball that's way below my feet. If I've got wind howling off the left and I don't want to hit a certain shot, my setup for me has to provide me an opportunity to make the movements to control the ball in those conditions where students definitely can get a little bit black and white on setup. And I don't like those restrictions personally. Um, is that, does that make sense to both of you? Is that how you would see setups or how you might see setups now and you might not have in the past? Cause Greg, I reckon you're like me we definitely grew up where setup had to be correct, didn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, no question. It's always in flux. And, you know, I'm glad you said all that because I think about just off the top of my head, if I have to hit low shots, high shots, um, trees in the way, uh, I mean, it it automatically just changes. Yeah. And you automatically adjust and do things differently. Um, So there really is uh, a real skill or a real advantage to learning from a coach or somebody, okay, what do I need? Um, what boxes do I need to tick in the setup to hit the shot that I hit? And if you have a consistent shot, it's really advantageous, I've found anyway, to learn, well, what do I do well in my setup and how does that help me so you can just repeat it? Yeah. Um, I think that's really important. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely something that, you know, take the time to, to learn about yourself a little bit. It's uh, got a lot of, lot of advantages, but it is in flux. It's always changing. Um, depending on what shot you're trying to hit. Yeah, and Lou, for you, um, the statement I said there about it provides an opportunity, do you think that's fair, something that you believe now, not believe now, or didn't believe when you used to play, didn't think about golf maybe as much as you do now? Um, Have you seen a transition from people going from the ideas of a correct setup to now more of a functional idea of setup? Um, I, I think most amateurs are not paying any attention to their setup. Okay. So, and and I, I think that it's probably been that way for a long time. Now you're both much higher level players that that worked with people and and were certainly more focused on the game than your typical weekend warrior. So I don't think enough people are paying attention to the setup. And I'm guessing a question that a lot of people probably have that are listening is how do I know 
if I have a setup that is, and I'm not going to use the term correct, I would maybe say correct for, for me or correct yeah. for them, or I'm going to use your term functional. How do they know with, with, I don't want to go to an instructor. You know, I'm not going to get lessons. I'm, I'm hitting it. Okay. Uh, or maybe I'm not hitting it. Okay. But I'm not going to go to instructor. How do I know I have a functional setup? That's a good question. Um, I mean, the key to knowing if you've got a good functional setup is if you function or not. So, because functional is only going to be to the uh, ability that you want to function at. So if I'm a 20 handicapper and I'm happy to play off 20 and I consistently play around that number enough to keep my index at 20, then whatever you're doing is functional. It's defining functional would be different for different people to a certain extent. It's subject to what their goals are. If I've got a 20 handicapper comes to me or any handicap number, and let's say they've got a real kind of kinked grip, let's call it super strong or super weak. So one, one hand is really twisted or even both hands on the club. So move away from what we would call like a neutral grip. That doesn't bother me, but I want to know how that functions through the bag. Let's say they've got, for anyone's listening who understands, a strong grip. You look down and you see lots of knuckles on your lead hand and your bottom hand is, for me as a right-handed golfer, around the right-hand side of the club. Now, you might find that's really good for irons and they hit their irons fine because that grip tends to, and these are all generalizations because everyone comes out different, um, tends to de-loft clubs. So with an iron, with a club with loft, it functions. That's a functional grip that can be used with that club but then they never pull their driver out of their bag because they've only got less 10 degrees 9 degrees 12 degrees whatever loft they've got on their driver they can't use a grip that de-lofts that's not functional so if they came to me saying i'm a 20 handicapper i'm a five handicapper but i don't i can't do a certain skill because my well they won't know why i would say well let's look at shots well first of all why is that kink there that setup Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday is not functional across all the disciplines. That would be where I would be pushing towards functional or not. Does that make sense? It's relative so to the- how do it, it, it does, but but I, I how do they know? So a 10 handicap, would you advise them going to an instructor to get feedback on that? Or would you advise them a different path to figure out um, what they could possibly change in their setup to help it be more functional? Uh, yeah, for example. I mean, the best way to do it would be to go and seek professional advice. I think we would all probably yeah. agree with that. If you can't do that and you wanted to find out if other movements in your setup are more functional, it's a, it's a trial and error. It's a test, test and test again kind of situation. Let's take a ball position for an example. Um, people who have strong grips tend to have a ball position, say, further back. People who have weak grips tend to have the ball position forwards to try and change start direction. If you can't hit functional shots from different ball positions, you might want to be asking the question why you can't. The more skilled player might be able to. So you won't know that until you start moving around. It's a real, that would be a real trial and error situation. You have to find out what you want to function to if you want to improve that, um, you know, that skill set. So let's say, you know, I'm functioning with all my clubs, but I can't get out of bunkers. 
you might find that your setup is making giving you no opportunity to get out of bunkers. Again, I'll use the strong grip analogy. People with strong, really strong grips trying to get loads of loft and keep it on the on the club through a bunker. They tend to hate going in bunkers. So I would say to them, you know, you're quite functional. You play off seven, but you might play off five if we could get you not, you know, averaging almost three shots every time you go in a greenside bunker or four shots or 3.7 shots or whatever it is. Um, You know, if we move your grip, it might function across all clubs. Um, so yeah, it's going to be trial and error, Lou, that kind of thing. But the but the best way to find out if you're functional is going to be go see somebody. Yeah. So Greg, testing. what do you do? Uh, what do you do, Greg, to test out uh, or validate your your setup? What, uh, yeah. what what's oh, your process? The proof to me is always in the ball flight. Like if I oh really? I, uh, for me, uh, okay. the proof is always in. Okay. If I want to hit it low and I move this, I open, for me, I, I move the ball way back, but I open up so that I'm not hitting it, you know, in relation to my target. I'm not hitting so far inside. I'm actually swinging a little bit towards the target. That's how I was taught to do it. Um, so I've made some setup adjustments, but how that ball comes out, uh, okay, comes out lower. Okay, I'm moving differently and I've adjusted my setup to help me hit that ball flight. Um, it, it, that's... Uh, you know, and that's coming from someone who's done it, obviously, and mo- can adjust easily. Uh, there's no question it's very, very difficult for, for amateurs. Or m- the goal for most amateurs, I'd imagine, would let's just get a consistent flight um, and let's understand how we create it and why we do what we do. Um, and, and Mark's right. It's very difficult to do that, you know, without getting some good solid feedback from someone who knows a little bit about what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do, you, do you, have you ever used any technology to you know check spine angle, things like that, or mirror work, things like no, those lines? No, uh, mirror mirror work, uh, old school stuff, Lou. So what yeah. I do is, you'd like this. I went to your website for buying ropes, and yeah. I hang a rope off a mirror, <laughs> um, and uh, and. And I said, um, I can't tell if you're joking. Do you really? As soon as the word ropes comes into our podcast now, I'm lo- I'm gone. Yeah. Did you really? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, I did. No, I um, I don't use a rope. I actually use yeah. a bit of masking tape. Yeah. Um, Boom. And down the center of a mirror. <laughs> and I actually do a lot um, indoors in front of a mirror and with masking tape down the middle to adjust for you know with my driver setup. I like a certain you know a large portion of my mass behind the a certain point with a masking tape down the middle, if that makes sense, yeah. uh, depending on where the ball I put on the ground. But I do a lot without a golf club in my hand as well. I just try and concentrate on the big stuff, uh, the big muscles and getting them, you know, how I want. Um, I have tendencies. I tend to get shut with the shoulders. We all have certain things that, uh, you know, probably bleed into our game. And so I have to keep an eye on those with a mirror uh, on the ground or, um, you know, alignment aids on the ground. So, yeah, not really high-tech, but certainly some low-tech options that can, uh, that can help you out. And I think there, what's interesting is the word tendencies. Back to your question, Lou, which is a good question and one that definitely the listeners will be asking them, you know, how do I know if I'm functional? Golfers have certain tendencies. There's certain matchups that um, you know, a, a good coach sees really quickly in a setup that they will just see, well, that's an alarm bell. We need to deal with that, you know, straight away. To give a real basic example, when I get people coming for lessons um, and they've got their driver teed up crazy low or vice versa, crazy high, and they're not asking me why that's like that, I think oh, it's interesting that they haven't got a, a, a you know my brain if i was doing something 
which was relatively extreme, I would want to know how I make that work compared to what would be relatively neutral or why do I need that? Is that, is that what's making me not work? So as an example, Lou, someone who's been known hit a little bit on the way up, you ain't teeing drivers in those days down low. You're going to be teeing them up pretty high, aren't you? Oh, yeah. So you, as soon as you come for a lesson and I give you a tee like, on a mat and you go, or oh, have you got something higher... I'm going oh, to be yeah. thinking, oh, here we go. Like he, he's <laughs> going to here we go. Well, I'm going to think, be thinking he's going <laughs> to this guy's going to hit bombs. He's going to have to be so thinking. good, or he's doing something crazy that we're going to have to talk about because that tee's be high both. and he wants higher. Um, and I would get the and vice versa that I'd put a tee like let's do some drivers, put a tee in for them under the mat, you know, the fixed tee, and they would go, oh, "Have you got something lower?" And I would show them like the medium, and they go, well, "A bit lower than that." And I think, oh, okay, you're in six down at least and probably eight across, which they generally are. I think, you know, that for me personally, knowing that there's a million bits of content out there showing people where your average TI with a driver is, everyone knows the cliche answer. You know, I do Instagram videos on it and people go crazy for it after ball above the top of the ground and they, you know, they, they love that information. But I think all that information's out there, but yet they're still teeing it down like I would tear nine iron off a par three tight tee, yet they're not asking questions. Um, it's those things that would make you think, am I really functioning as good as I can? Because I'm, maybe I'm a bit of an outlier here that I have to do something so extreme. And that's same for when you see, you know, here's a matchup, which I'm sure you both, or I'll help you guess if you can't, but I'm sure you can guess it. Ball position way forward with a driver. What shot are they fighting? If they got the ball, like literally outside their lead foot with a driver, what shape are yeah. they fighting? They're, they're, they're going to be... Big cuts. Yeah. They're mm. trying to start the ball left. They're doing everything they can to hit the ball later in the arc to start it left. And they'll come to me saying, I want to be able to draw the ball. Well, what if but, they tee, what, hypothetically, what if they tee it up really high and really far forward? Yeah, asking for a fringe. Then, <laughs> then you've got some massive issues. So you've got either really strong grips in there while hitting up and way out to in because they're taking loft off. But with it that forward, it's not ballooning miles in the air. Like those, Is this hypothetical golfer just hitting bombs this could like be anyone would, to He's name an no names it could literally be anyone lou <laughs> it just could be i don't know who but i, I can imagine lou on, coming Greg. in for a lesson from mark and mark's like i'm charging this guy double for sure <laughs> <laughs> right ramp it up yeah, i sent my so i sent my swing to a golf instructor and he he actually saw it live while we were on a call together, um, he saw the, the the video of the swing, and his first response was, "Oh, that's interesting." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> subtle, very subtle. But again, anyway. for me, it's the opportunity. It's what opportunities does your setup give you? That person with the ball way forward, the opportunity to hit the ball from the inside there is reducing because you're going to be catching it later in your arc. A club catching later in the arc generally might be passing up and it's going to be passing more left of wherever zero was. Um, it, it's just going to increase other things, other matchups if you wanted to hit a draw. So again, it's making that setup give you an opportunity to do what you want to do. So, you know, that ball position way forward with a driver, if that reflects over onto irons, so then we start seeing irons way forward and let's say the handle way back, common matchups that you see, 
What shot are they hitting? What, what do you reckon their strikes are like from the ground? Do you reckon they're hitting fats and fins? Of course they are. They yeah. either have to have a huge pressure shift to get their low point ahead of that ball, ridiculous handle leans, or they're hitting fats and fins. Their setup isn't giving them the opportunity to achieve something that they say they can't achieve. Um, I've been working on setup a whole lot uh, more recently with uh, with my iron swing, driver swing, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, I got some 4D motion sensors recently. Yeah. And uh, they do biofeedback. And <clears throat> so you can put these on, calibrate, put them on. And I have four sensors in my setup. So I can put them on in different places on the body. And I can I can use them without needing to swing a club. I can just put them on get into my setup position and I can set parameters, you know, tolerances on where, you know, I'm trying to have my body be with, you know, how much, uh, you know, how much I'm bending yep. uh, or, or hinging at the hips and things like that. And so I'll go through and I'll put these on and I'll do five or 10 minutes of, of just getting into a setup and, and getting some maybe biofeedback if that's turned on or getting into a setup and looking down and, and seeing what the result was and seeing what uh, how much I had hinged or didn't hinge um, and just repeating that over and over again to try to, to, try to get my setup um, more consistent uh, and more functional. I, I tend to, to do some things that um, put me in bad spots, so I'm working really hard and Having, I realize not everyone's going to have those sensors, but having those have, has been really helpful. And one of the things I've noticed that's that's been different about it is when I, um, you know, I'll work on setup and I'll do it in a mirror. And when you look in a mirror, it's it's you have some of the same problems that you have when you have a video camera and it's slightly out of place. It can be. It can it can look like it's off or it can look like it's on and it's really not because. You're not looking at things too precisely. Yeah. Um, and by having the sensors, I'm getting a much, much, much more precise answer. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious to see how that work translates to overall ball striking going forward. Because I will tell you anecdotally, there are times when I step up to a golf ball or you know have a round of golf where I feel like I'm setting up extremely well and I hit the ball extremely well. Okay. Like I'll just step in. You guys probably don't have that same feeling that, that us amateurs do. Not but clue. I, yeah. <laughs> no clue. <laughs> right. And so there are, and I guarantee you every five or 10 index that's listening right now is shaking their head going, yeah, I stepped into that one and it just felt really good the way I set up. And so I'm curious to see what translates into my uh, actual swings. Uh, as I keep working on this, you should probably. I reckon that sensor would be great if it had a little, like a little electric shock. You know, like <laughs> oh, you yeah. I got one of those, man. I got one of those. You wear on the wrist. I can wrist. see a world where electric th shock therapy could really help you, Lou. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt. <laughs> in more ways than one. Yeah. As you were saying right. all that, Lou, there were two <laughs> things that were going through my head. One was these sensors are obviously on ropes, aren't they? They must be on ropes. 100%. <laughs> yeah. It's a rope. Pulleys, levers, for sure. fire trucks, laser beams, <laughs> all those things. Um, and then I, two other, one other point I want to come back to with your points there to finish on. I want to finish on it. So before we get there, I've written down something which is relevant to some of the points you were making there, Lou, with the sensors. Great point about the sensors. The sensors are going to give you real-time information 
as subject to how accurate those sensors are, and I'm sure they're accurate knowing you, they're going to give you three-dimensional, real-time information that you can look from from any angle. You'll be able to spin around those kind of ideas. Um, look it in a mirror where it can be great. If you don't know what you're looking at, it can be dangerous. And you're looking at a you're looking back and subject to what you're looking at, you're looking at the angle from you know, straight down your body line, basically. When I stand behind golf swings, as people are hitting, I'll stand behind the ball line, I'll get behind the body line. They're, they're different perspectives. And that's something, certainly when people are filming themselves, I see it time and time again online. Oh, you know, this swing looks exactly like this swing when people post these kind of things. That's happening a lot of the minute with a certain um, young person that I find a little bit infuriating. And I just think it doesn't look like that at all. Um, the camera angles aren't close and you're just saying craziness. But the amount of people I get that will see things on camera that I'm not even looking at because they're not seeing it in a three-dimensional world, they're seeing it as a 2D image straight there. So that's a good point, I think, with the um, mirror work where you can be careful. Um, the other thing with your setup as well, back to your initial question, which I think is the standout question, Lou, which most people would be asking, you know, it's all great. The Golf Pro say it needs to be functional, but how can I, you know, how do I see if it's functional? Another good way of doing that, which came in when you guys were talking, so I wrote it down. It came into my head more because it related to what I can't remember. Greg was all, Lou was saying is that you need to set goals around your setup and then see how you achieve. So if you think about your setup having to give you an opportunity, well, if you have to hit one under a bar, so you had to start it out low, your setup's going to change. You're going to put more handle lean in, probably. You're going to try and take loft off. To do that, you might push the ball back. You might put more pressure on your front foot. And if you don't do that at the start, you give a player enough goes, they often do work out doing that. And that can be applied to any skill. It can be applied to hitting it low. You could be applying that to hitting it high. You could apply that idea to set it, starting it right. You could apply that idea to starting it left, curving it from the left back to the right and from the right back to the left, high and low those ways, every shape and shot in between. And seeing from what ball position, what weight shift what postures give you the opportunity to hit the goal shot that you're trying to set out um because it is it's just you just got it so many amateurs don't give themselves the opportunity you know what i mean greg and you do lou you've been in pro-ams and this and the guy or the girl saying oh i'm gonna hit this shot here and you just think there's no chance you're gonna pull that off from what we've seen so far like good luck for trying but with that grip you really gonna get that shot out of that deep bunker or you know, with that ball position, are you really going to punch that one in low? Um, and if so, how are you doing it? So setting goals around your setup rather than thinking rigid, I think, for lots of people, it is a great way of seeing how functional they are because they'll see the holes. I can't hit, you know, they'll say, I can't hit the high right one, drawing back. What? Why can't I do that? Oh, it's because you right. do X, Y, Z. It's a great way of learning how to how to do. That. Yes, yeah, experimenting with ball flights too, mate. Yeah, right? which will be what we've talked about repeatedly. Yeah, know, just going around, and and part of it just comes down to your willingness to just try different things and just see what you can do. Yeah, hundred um, percent. The last cool. one, then the last one for me, and this is a key one. And I don't know if you've been subject this to this, Lou. I'm guessing you might have, but sometimes I think it's unfair uh, what we that we have these um, kind of perceptions of you and your ropes and stuff. But um, <laughs> uh, one of the, we talk about, you mentioned it at the start, which I agree with. Lots of amateurs don't think about their setup enough. And I think that holds a lot of weight. And I would agree with that. But there's also groups of people and you've seen them. I'm going to describe them quickly. Um, who I would call over set up their setups. Mm. Let's talk about the people who, 
put the club, they're set up to the ball and then they pick the club up and like put it across their feet to see if they're pointing in the right direction. Like that one always blows. I just think, what are you doing? What, <laughs> what is going on here? Like the chances of yeah. you not moving when that club goes back, if you want to be that precise. And another great one for setup, over set, uh, over setupping their setup, is posture. You know, when people get really rigid in the back, they you know, bum out straight back, and then they they can't move. They're like robotic swing because they've just over set up their setup. So the setup does have to have freedom of movement. Again, the opportunity to make a movement. We've all seen the over set up setup golfer as well. Lou, you must have seen them. You must have played with that person. Taking forever to get into position. It's not you, is oh, it? Oh yeah, no, it's not me. I, I play. I play very, very fast. Um, uh, I'm an adaptable athlete, and uh, I, I just I slide in and I pull the trigger. Yeah. But yeah, I've played with people that are that are like that, and I never quite understand what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> they certainly need someone to uh, to point them in the right direction. And standing there with your with it, it always cracks me up because they the, the ones that take the club and put it across their shoulders, shoulders and stuff, yeah. And then they look, look to see where it's pointing and their shoulders <laughs> tilt. And then they're like, wait a minute, I'm not pointing down the middle of the fairway. And then they Knock adjust uh, because they've just, and then it, it, it's a, it's a mess. So don't do that. Are there any drills or anything that, that, that you guys do other, other than mirror work? Uh, or maybe trying to adjust ball flight a bit. Is there anything else that you do setup related to that we can pass along to the listeners to to help them because they're not advanced as is I'm going to say we are yeah, uh, us, in our, in our, in us three us us, <laughs> us three. I'm going to put myself in with you guys. Greg's the only one with trophies in this in shots that I can see in the video. I, I have trophies. Yeah, but I have trophies. Best dad doesn't count, Lou. <laughs> I don't have a best dad trophy. I'm going to get my trophy. You guys, I'm going to show you my You trophy. get your trophy. Favorite yeah. dad coffee cup. Yeah. yeah. He's going to no. get He's going to get his trophy because that will really work well on a podcast. Days, it? Dad, you're one of my favorite parents. Oh, you're in the top two parents. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So I got that going for me. I'm one of her favorite parents, which is nice. Look, Greg, yeah. have you got? I've got a hack for people. What have you got? Any setup hacks that you use? So or? I, I, um, I, I had a, a coach, and one of the things he wanted you to be able to do, and he, he coached me and Jason Days, Colin Swatton, and one of the things I was very much quite a lot of load on my on the balls of my feet, like on the toes. Yeah. I, when I went to him, yeah, like I was nearly falling over, and through a different coach's sort of beliefs. And he wanted me to be able to just rock back and forth, so lift my toes and and then rock back and then be able to lift my heels, get the weight distribution down between the middle of my feet. So just a, a nice amount of knee flex. People who are super straight-legged, you might find as they bend over, they might get weight towards their toes. You know what I mean? Like it, that was kind of what I was. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he would have that, and he'd have me do that sometimes just set up with my eyes closed so I could feel my, my balance. Because one of the other red flags that I see a little bit with amateurs too is – at, particularly as you get into the longer stuff, you start to lean towards the ball. Yeah. You know, you see those people just lean forward yeah. towards the ball. It's Arms really hard to hit. Yeah. yeah, really hard to hit driver from there. Um, and you have this tendency to want to get closer to the ball. Um, but so he would have me just do some setups and feeling, you know, out with talent, which is weight down the middle of your feet um, through your shoelaces-ish um, with your eyes closed just to feel that a little bit. Uh, but you go ahead, Mark. I'm sure you've got 100 of them. Yeah, and that's good. Uh, I, I used to grip ones. You know, people making grip changes a lot is like pulling teeth from in the hole. 
if you've played for any particular time and it's the grip that's causing the issues in your setup, then in turn the opportunity, then subject to your movements. Um, I like people to do plenty of work off course, off range. You know, if they hit balls once a week, I want them picking a club up for five minutes a day, seven days a week. So on the day they hit and the other six days because they change their grip so quick. It's all about familiarity with grip changes. When you pick something up and you move someone's grip and they say words like, I can't hit it from there. That's just crazy. That won't work. Getting them to take a ball away, just picking a club up, moving it around, swinging it in the garden. Those people, from my experience, just change their grip so much quicker than the people who just go out and maybe play after that lesson. Because you try going on a golf course with a grip change, um, unless it's instantly functional, wow, that's tough. Because often with a grip change, something else has got to happen. Because the grip change isn't the fix, the grip change, and it gives you the opportunity to then fix the next movement, basically, because the grip change is causing a movement that causes a bad shot. Um, I, oh, like... I have a hack for that. What's I have a that? hack for, for a grip change. Go on. Um, so I, I, I'm still going through a grip change. Um, and what I found for me, what helps me get into my new grip a little bit better is when I place my hands on the club and I did this, you know, I do this practicing, uh, you know, in the evening in the house watching TV. Yeah. Um, I take the club and I have it pointing straight up in the air where the head is. It's just vertical. The shaft is vertical. Yeah. And for me, it was so much easier to get my hands on in the right place. What fear to the club and you're holding it and you're holding it like you normally would. It was so much easier to get my hands in the right spot and then come down and hit a golf ball from there, you know, when I am hitting golf balls. So that's my practice hack. It certainly worked for me and it helped me to get uh, a lot more comfortable with a new grip uh, quicker than I probably otherwise would have. Yeah. I thought you were going to say it gives you an electric shock if you get it wrong. That'd be so Uh, cool. (laughs) I thought he was going to have it upright and suspended with ropes. (laughs) Well, I do. You know, I do have a training aid that shocks you, right? Yeah, I'm sure. You I'm do sure. not. The DeWiz. The DeWiz. <laughs> so it, it's like an Apple Watch. Oh, and it you goes can, on the wrist. And yeah. it goes on your wrist and it will shock you. So let me, I mean, you know, you <laughs> if you're trying to learn a new movement pattern and you, uh, you know. Nothing better than 200 watts through the You know, it, it's, it's pretty effective, right? Yeah. You pee your pants a few times, yeah. you're going to learn quick. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and then the last one I like to do with people is giving them fu- I give them functional barriers or parameters for setup. So think of this as if you're going to change ball position, I don't want the ball position to be in this position for whatever club they're using. And if it's all clubs, we talk about it. I want them to be able to hit the ball from the playing field of ball positions and they find out where the sweet spot is. So to give you an example, I can hit my wedge from my back foot to my front foot. I can't hit my driver from my back foot from my front foot. My driver's playing ball position would be middle of my lead foot, wouldn't really get to the toe, to two inches inside my lead heel. I can hit shots from all those positions and it creates different shots and different shapes. And I'll use those ideas. I'll find my sweet spot. That's my go-to. But I'll, as I'm finding my sweet spot, I will look at the patterns that come out when the ball's that bit further back and a bit further forward and apply that to certain golf holes. So I like to give students like playing fields in their setup. So if you're changing width for stance, let's do somewhere you're really wide, medium and narrow, do it with different clubs. What, where's the benefits coming from? And I can do it with them 
and then I get them to go away and practice it as well. The things I don't like when set up is 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 too many definites. You have to have the ball with a seven iron in the middle of your feet. You have to have the ball beside your left heel with a driver. Well, you do, but you don't as well because as you're going to watch, plenty of people have it in different positions. And if I want to start the ball down the right with a driver and even have it turning back, my ball's going two inches inside my lead heel. It's not going forward. It's going back in my stars. So there's a functional playing field. I like to give people personally in setup freedom rather than restriction. When I find it gives them restriction, unless I'm a genius and know exactly their movement patterns and how it all play out in, in time, there's a good chance I'm going to get it wrong. I want to work with the student. So like, let's... Let's do it together. Here's the range I want you to practice in. And some are bigger ranges and some are smaller ranges. You know, like your, your beginner, they get a bit of a smaller range at the start because they can get it way wrong. So you put them in tight parameters like you would with a child. You know, you would say, can't run across that road. You're going to hold my hand. And then as they get older, they cross it themselves. And then you let them go and they live their own lives. Like It's like that with a student a little bit. You know, if someone like Greg came for a lesson, I would be constantly saying, OK, Greg, it's interesting you say that shot. What happens if you try this? I wouldn't be going, you need to do this. I would want to know what happens when you move something in a different position so I can measure it. Um, that would be so much more giving you a wider berth to learn and experiment together. So for me, setup has to be opportunity to perform the task um, rather than just rigid positions all the time for me. Really. I think we missed the most, one of the most important things for setup, especially for, for amateur players, um, is your mobility and flexibility are extremely important. Yeah. And I think for a lot of amateurs working on that is going to help, you know, we've all seen amateurs that maybe don't have the mobility or flexibility um, that, you know, a, a professional golfer on the PGA tour is going to have. Um, and you can see how that limits what they're able to do setup wise. And I think working on that, can pay huge benefits, um, not only in you know every just about every part of your game, but the setup uh, specifically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, good points there, guys. I like that setup. For me, it's about the opportunity to create a movement. I think it's definitely having a bit of freedom to move around in your setup, um, and definitely don't be that over setup person. Over setting up the setup, the club across the chest or the feet. It's got to stop, isn't it? Has that one got to stop? If there's any definite, so I know I didn't want, I want that one to stop. We got it. We need a t-shirt of somebody doing that. Yeah. That would be great <laughs> I'm on just a getting With a big circle yeah. and a red line through yeah. it, like a no entry sign. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> there we go. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, let us know how we're doing. Hit those stars up. If there's anything you want us to cover in the pod, it's up on our social channels as always. And we'll look forward to seeing you in the next episode.